0: What is the kingdom of God like? It is like this. A man takes a grain of mustard seed and plants it in his field. The plant grows and becomes a tree and the birds make their nests in its branches. I'm not sure what he's talking about. <laughs> kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. When it grows, it's gonna grow beyond our expectations. Amen. We're in the fourth installment of our 5G's disciple-making strategy, and for today, the word is grow. Last week, as I started preparing for this sermon, I started asking people around, uh, what comes to mind immediately when they hear the word grow, or what words can you associate with the word grow? Here are the answers I got. Some of them said plants, trees, knowledge, physical growth, savings, investments, children, salaries, and this last one, bellies. Bellies. Now, oftentimes we associate the word grow, or word uh, grow, yes, into something in the physical realm, things like plants and living organisms the dictionary defines the word grow as to increase by natural development as any living organism in part by assimilation of nutrients. Well, to be sure I'm not gonna talk about growing bellies this morning, but instead I will be dwelling on spiritual growth which has parallels to physical growth in that it requires certain conditions and principles in our faith that could bring about growth from spiritual infancy to maturity. In this sense, I think we can all agree that growing or growth is a positive thing. And since it is, spiritual growth should be our goal as we grow in the kingdom of God in his letter to the Colossians, the Apostle Paul tells them this in the first chapter, verses 27 to 29. He wrote, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul makes it clear that he strenuously toils with the goal of presenting everyone fully mature in Christ. He knows that spiritual growth is essential for every believer because in as the kingdom of God advances, and grows, believers likewise have to go from spiritual infancy to maturity to prepare them for what lies ahead. And so if we are to become effective Christians, effective disciple makers, then we ought to grow spiritually. Many Christian authors have written about growing spiritually and Uh, they've talked about spiritual disciplines such as prayer, uh, studying God's word. They also talked about, they wrote about rather, uh, spiritual fruits like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, self-control, and putting God first, which is commonly known as the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. Well, those are really great principles, no doubt, and as maturing believers we ought to practice them, hopefully. For today's message, however, I would like to focus on one spiritual growth principle that oftentimes may have been overlooked. And that is, biblical community propels spiritual growth. Let me put it in a straightforward way in the context of our 5G disciple-making strategy. Grow groups propel spiritual growth. Today, I'm going to make a case for that using scripture, statistical survey, and stories as compelling reasons why joining grow groups is important for spiritual growth. So if you're still not a a part of a grow group, I encourage you to consider However, I will leave the convicting and the convincing to the Holy Spirit because that is his supernatural work in your heart and in your mind. Please turn with me to our main passage, and it's found in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It reads, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now when we examine the context of this passage, there are a number of things noteworthy about the church during its infancy stage. We read in verse 42 that the church was devoted to four things, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of the bread, and prayer this body of new believers are starting to encounter and experience certain spiritual practices in the context of community. Now, let's backtrack a little bit uh, and see what verse 41 has to say. It says, Luke wrote in verse 41 that those who accepted Peter's message that day, 3,000 people were baptized and were added to their number. I'd like for you to imagine what 3,000 people gathered all together looks like without a church building. How does that look? Surely we can conclude based on verse 46 that as they met together in the temple courts, they also went home, they broke bread, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So in other words, the church during its infancy stage gathered together in large numbers then it is also evident that they likewise broke up into smaller groups for fellowship, breaking of the bread, prayer, and perhaps probably discuss what they learned from the apostles during those days. Now, it's easy to see that and to apply that in today's church context. Here at Calvary, while we are big on gathering corporately during Sunday worship, We are likewise convinced that grow groups are capable of ministering to individual needs and propelling spiritual growth as part of the body of Christ. I'm confident that if you ask any grow group member here, they will tell you that being part of a smaller community somehow contributed to their spiritual growth and even some of them will tell you their conversion to the faith. So let me lay down for you four key findings that support the rationale why grow groups propel spiritual growth. Along these key findings will be stories on grow groups here at Calvary. First, people in grow groups serve more using their spiritual gifts. Now, if you recall a preaching three months or two months ago on spiritual gifts, The Bible makes it clear that every believer is given by the Holy Spirit at least one spiritual gift for service and edification of the body of Christ. I argued when I preached that time that we are to fulfill that purpose, that if we are to fulfill that purpose, we have to use that gift. We need to exercise that gift. So when you review the list of spiritual gifts mentioned in the Bible, you will realize that the setting for which most of the gifts are put into use is in a group. Gifts like teaching, prophecy, discernment, leadership, knowledge, and service calls for believers with these specific spiritual gifts to use them in a community or in a group setting. In such case, I would submit that spiritual growth occurs whenever spiritual gifts are put to practice rather than not. It's a simple case of obedience to what God's word says in 1 Peter 4, verse 10. He says in there, each of you should use whatever spiritual gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In 2014, renowned Christian authors Ed Stetzer and Eric Geiger released some very notable statistical findings in their book, Transformational Groups. In one of those findings, they noted the contrast between active small group members and non-group members. They noted that the contrast was stunning. Listen to these survey findings when it comes to spiritual gifts spiritual uh, gifts. 73% of believers attending a group at least four times a month said that they are intentionally putting their spiritual gifts to work serving God and others compared to only 42% for believers who do not attend a group. 63% of believers attending a group currently have responsibilities at their churches or small groups compared to only 25% for believers who do not attend a group. 47% of believers attending a group are currently involved in ministries or projects that serve people in the community that are not affiliated with the church, compared to only 26% for believers who do not attend a group. You see, many groups or grow groups take time to discover what the spiritual gifts of each person in the group might be and connect them to their roles in the group and beyond, enhancing the sense of community. There's a new 11 a.m. grow group called Genesis Connect, and they started meeting a couple of Sundays ago. One of the first things they did was for each member to take a spiritual gifts survey that we printed for everyone sometime around a couple of months ago, I believe they're starting on the right track by knowing what spiritual gift each member has so that they can put it to use as they move forward. I'm confident that after each member discovers their spiritual gifting, they will readily serve and utilize that gift in the days ahead. Most of all, it will propel them to spiritual growth as they put those gifts to use. So, if you wish to find out your spiritual gift and use that gift from spiritual infancy to maturity, my recommendation is what? Join a grow group. Second, people in grow groups or in groups share their financial resources more. People in groups share their money more. Our main passage clearly portrays generosity as a clear indicator of spiritual maturity. Verse 45 says that the church in its infancy stage sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Now I don't know if any believer will dispute the idea that generosity is an indicator of spiritual maturity. However, let me cite a passage from Scripture about it. 2 oh, Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 12. And it reads, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for... For food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. The Apostle Paul makes it clear. Generosity is an attitude of sharing gladly what we might have regardless of wealth. The passage tells us that our father is a generous God and he wants us to be generous as well. Here's a notable statistical finding from Stetzer and Geiger when it comes to giving. When asked what percentage of their total annual income they contribute to the local church. Those who attended the group four times or more a month said they give 10.4% of their annual income, while those who did not attend the group said they give 6.07% of their annual income. Now please don't misunderstand the findings. It does not say all who are part or not part of a group give that specific percentage that was mentioned. The statistics merely portray the average giving between those who attend the group and those who do not. What it's saying, though, is that people in groups tend to be more generous than those who are not, especially with their financial resources. Church, some of you may not be aware of this there are grow groups on campus that raise funds for mission work and help support kingdom work elsewhere. They have designated account funds deposited in the Calvary account. And when they need to use those funds, they call me and tell me where to send it. Some grow groups also on campus work on projects in helping the poor and underprivileged here in the valley. Some grow groups help fellow members whenever they go through difficulties and trials using their financial resources. And there's so many acts of generosity by grow groups here at Calvary, and it brings me joy whenever I see these groups extending the kingdom by sharing their resources. Here's my pitch. We know we can't take our money with us when we leave this world. However, we can always put it to great use when you invest it kingdom work. That's biblical stewardship. So if you believe that stewardship matters in spiritual growth, then you can conclude that groups matter. So be part of a group. Third, people in groups strengthen their character through interpersonal settings. I'm talking about spiritual fruit bearing here apart from spiritual gifts. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Spiritual fruits are clear indicators of spiritual growth. Since spiritual growth is a process and it takes time, it is helpful to understand that these fruits must eventually become evident in our lives to determine whether we have moved from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. So perhaps the question that comes to mind for us today is that, am I bearing spiritual fruit? Or to put it in another way, are these fruits becoming more evident in my life as I try or as I strive to be more like Christ? Think about that for a moment. Now, if we're honest enough with ourselves, we can perhaps conclude that we struggle with at least one or two or more on that list. I will speak for myself. Yes, I still do and God is not over me as I go through this process. However, if you struggle with any one of those fruits, here's my recommendation, join a grow group. How in the world does that make sense? Are you telling me, Pastor Paulo, that I will become more loving, have more joy, patience, kindness, faithfulness, peace, gentleness and self-control if I join a grow group? Well, if that's your question, let me answer you with this question. How can you tell if you're bearing fruit or these fruits if you're not exposed to interpersonal relationships with fellow believers who, just like you and I, are fallen and imperfect sinners? This is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Being part of a grow group allows for you to test whether you are progressing towards spiritual growth or not when it comes to spiritual fruit bearing. It's simple. You can test or determine the level of your love, patience, kindness, gentleness, peace, self-control in a group setting because you will definitely encounter People who think and act differently than you do in groups. Yes, in grow groups. Grow groups will expose you to relationships amongst believers where spiritual fruit can be developed and tested. To illustrate this, I I wrote something here uh, that some of you who have been in grow groups for quite some time may be able to relate to, Uh, it's like somebody who has been in a, a grow group thinking about things that tested his or her spiritual growth. Take note of the spiritual fruits I will mention. And here it is. The person is communicating with God and he says, Lord, how can I love this brother or sister whose political opinions are opposite mine? I'm starting to lose patience, but I want to be kind and gentle to him or to her. Help me find peace and joy here. Otherwise, I might lose self-control. Church, misunderstandings and conflicts are also in groups. I've seen and heard about misunderstandings, frustrations, conflicts, Just like in families, it also happens in grow groups. But here's the good news. I've likewise seen that eventually, they extend forgiveness and grace to each other. At the end of the day, members realize that although they have different attitudes and opinions, they have a common unity in Christ and they continue to love one another. And that's what really matters at the end of the day, right? Amen. Spiritual fruit bearing is a painful and selfless growth process. You can surely benefit from being part of a group or a grow group because it is through this setting that helps you determine whether you're moving from spiritual infancy to maturity when it comes to spiritual fruit. Grow groups matter. They matter because they provide an environment to develop Christ-like character and spiritual fruit. Fourth and last, people in groups share their faith more. People in groups share their faith more. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave the disciples the great commission, and I'm sure most of you know already about that. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Obedience to the Great Commission is without a doubt a clear indication of spiritual maturity. Jesus said that if we truly love Him, we are to obey His commands. And yes, that includes the Great Commission. You know, it's been 34, 35 years now since I became a believer. And through those years, I have observed that one of the things believers struggled with when it comes to their faith walk is sharing their faith in Christ. I've heard all kinds of reasons for why they struggle, ranging from, I'm not ready, I don't know how to do it, and for some, it's simply, it's not my calling. Let the pastors and the leaders do that. Our PC culture or society also frowns upon such thing as religious bigotry making it more difficult for us to share our faith to those who still do not believe. The bottom line for me as I think about this is the fear of rejection. Or as the Bible says, it is the fear of man over the fear of God. One way to gauge our spiritual maturity in this regard is to ask ourselves, am I unashamed to share my faith in Christ? Well, if you've answered yes to that, congratulations. And please keep telling the lost world about the gospel. However, if you still struggle with it, here's my recommendation. Join a grow group. Before I share to you why I believe it will help you, here are the survey findings about, about it. So when asked, how many times have you shared with someone on how to become a Christian in the last six months? Here are the answers or the results. Those who attend the grow group four times or more a month says 2.3 times on the average. This means that they shared the good news almost every other month to someone. Those who did not attend the group shared uh, their faith to others 0.68 times in the last six months, meaning on the average, they don't even share about their faith every six months. These results tell us that believers in a group are four times more likely to share their faith over those who do not belong to a group. Now on the question, how many times have you invited An unchurched people to your church service or some other ministry program, in the last six months, the results were almost the same. 0.88 times for those who don't attend a group, 3.18 times for those who attend a group. Now here's more. 60% of believers in a group Pray for the spiritual status of people they know who are not professing believers or Christians compared to only 35% of believers who are not in a group. With those survey results, let me add two more things as to why I firmly believe being part of the GROW group will help you struggle, uh, will help you, your struggle in sharing your faith. First... Grow groups provide a great environment to practice spiritual conversations. You know, in grow groups, you will hear from others about their spiritual journey or their story. And be encouraged to share your own story until you become comfortable in sharing the point of God's story, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news. Being part of the community breeds confidence for you to prepare with the gospel story, especially whenever the opportunity arises. Second, sharing the gospel in a group will be less cumbersome when teamwork is involved. Now, what do I mean by that? Let me use an example. Suppose every member of a group who is praying to invite a non-believer, they can tell their group to pray with him or with her. When God answers that prayer and the non-believer attends the group, then the member who has a gift of evangelism, the teacher or the leader, can at the opportune time start telling the non-believer of the gospel story. Now take note, we should not get disappointed if the non-believer doesn't respond positively. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, like I said earlier, to do the convincing and the convicting. It's not the group's work. Rejection may be common, but when salvation takes place, you can rejoice in answered prayer with the group. Nobody gets the credit except God alone because only he can draw people to him. All you are tasked with is to tell the good news. The rest is not up to you. Doing that in groups definitely makes it easier when teamwork is involved. Six years or some, five or six years ago, if I recall correctly, David and Marissa Courtney, who were not believers yet during that time, was relentlessly invited by members of the Pearl Grow group. They, they were invited to attend a Bible study. And I had the privilege of leading that study at the Brana residence, And what I did was to share the gospel to them every time I end a session. It took four sessions until they eventually surrendered their lives to Christ. And then eventually they got baptized at the Wilkinson residence. They continued being part of a grow group and now they were able to establish one off-campus grow group that meets in their home weekly. It's amazing how their gift of hospitality can be used to advance the kingdom. I'm blessed having witnessed them grow to be kingdom workers for God's glory. Now, let me give you a heads up. If they invite you to their grow group, you might need to think twice before you decline. I heard they serve good food. (laughs) Both spiritual food and the real food. So spiritual growth equips us to go. Being part of a group encourages us all the more to go, which is our fifth G. And you'll hear about that next Sunday. So in closing, as I conclude this message, I'd like to emphasize once more that biblical community accelerates spiritual transformation from infancy to maturity. However, Just being in a grow group does not guarantee a person will mature as a disciple. Your willingness to mature still plays a vital part of that process. It is my admonition or challenge, if you're still not a part of a grow group, join one and be encouraged in that group as you grow towards spiritual maturity. To grow group leaders, here is my message For spiritual transformation to take place in your groups, it is essential that you model spiritual maturity. And then encourage and expect those whom you lead to follow. To grow group members, keep inviting people to join your group. Grow groups are never meant or were never meant to be country clubs where exclusivity is a norm. It is meant for multiplication an open and welcoming disciple-making engine that will impact the lives of so many people and expand the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth. Amen? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you because you have called us to be part of your kingdom work. And as we do so, Father, I pray that your hearers today will be encouraged for those who still are not part of a group that they would prayerfully consider joining one. And we pray, Father God, that you will continue to use Grow Groups to expand your kingdom. From here at Calvary, Lord, pray that you empower and equip the leaders in every Grow Group to fulfill the Great Commission. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not sure how the Word of God spoke to you this morning. However, if you're still not part of a GROW group, I would really encourage you to be part of one, to join one, to prayerfully consider one. And if you're in a GROW group, keep inviting others. That way, we can can continue to expand the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth. I hope you will continue to prayerfully consider that as we sing with this response song.